It's January 1st, 2020, a fact that might be difficult to believe for some of you. Personally, I'm still at an awkward place in my life where I look back at 2009 as though it were only a few years ago, when it's more than a decade behind me. 2019 saw the launch of Masher's Club, the natural progression of what I've been writing up on since early 2013 when I reviewed Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I've written earlier reviews than that, but I'm unable to account for any of them. I suppose that April 13th, 2013 is as good a place to start as any. As of right now, I haven't published all the older reviews from my archive yet. Instead, I've uploaded them you know, periodically throughout the months while contributing new content as well. As of January 1st, 2020, I am at over 54 reviews on Masters Club's movie section, heralding the Stephen King horror film Gerald's Game as the honorary champion. Meanwhile, I have 18 reviews on Masters Club's video game section and have a little while left before I'm ready to crown its inaugural champion. That's something special I wanted to focus on with Masters Club, and I figure a benefit that comes with having wrote as many reviews as I have is I am able to create a list that I'm allowed to build and reflect on over time. I feel I've barely scratched the surface as far as reviewing the best of the best in the movie and video game genres, and I intend to pursue other entertainment mediums further down the line as well. I haven't dabbled as much into foreign films as I'd like, or even a single Harry Potter flick for that matter, not counting The Crimes of Grindelwald, and, and that's something I really want to build on in 2020. This marks the first of the Masters Club podcast, or MCP, whichever your preference. In this, I hope to allow myself a platform to share my opinion in a more direct, personal manner with each of you. How the Masters Club Championships function is very simple. After the 50th published review on Masters Club, Gerald's Game became the inaugural champion of the movie division, whereas on the 40th published video game review, we'll crown the inaugural champion of the video game division. The different goalposts are meant to acknowledge the time and resource discrepancy between reviewing a film and reviewing a video game. Meanwhile, there will also be smaller tier titles such as Best Animated Film, or Best Horror Film, or Best Kart Racing Game, or Best Third Person Shooter, for instance. They'll need 25 reviews tabulated prior to the champion being crowned. All the current standings are viewable on the Mashers Club website. That's mashers.club. In, um, in later club meetings, I intend to do specials that directly tackle each tier. For instance, a Quentin Tarantino special would likely pose a threat for Gerald's Games Championship, and a Pixar or Studio Ghibli special would not only be a contender for the main championship, but work toward crowning an eventual champion for Best Animated Film. In order to keep things fresh and interesting, when a main champion defends its title against 50 films or 40 games, it will achieve Masters Club Select status which is essentially the website's Hall of Fame, which would vacate the championship and reassign it to the second best-reviewed movie or video game. The same goes for smaller tier titles, except instead of 50 or 40 reviews necessary, they only need to defend the championship 25 times. Although I considered falling head over heels with a special sharing my opinion on some of Martin Scorsese's recent films, I decided that it'd be better served for a later edition. For this edition, I thought it'd be nice to start off the new year with a nice, lightweight appetizer of what's to come, doing a compare and contrast of Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled and Nickelodeon Kart Racers. It has taken me longer than expected to write a review of Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Sometimes on Masters Club, it might feel like I'm a little behind as far as reviewing the latest video games in a timely fashion. In fact, most of the recent reviews only exist because they were added into Xbox Game Pass, either on launch or a little way down the road. This is because I try to be selective with what I buy, knowing how little time I have to allocate between movies and gaming respectively. That, and a lot of what I buy on launch, tends to be video games like Agony or Shadow of the Tomb Raider, 
games that I'm excited for. Like, I love scary games, and I love platformers, but then I go ahead and buy them, and then I find that they're up to their gills and glitches and bugs, which I feel is actually something that's been plaguing the industry for a while, this mindset of, like, almost releasing these games unfinished and then having the players serve as beta testers. It really, it's made me feel like I've lost a lot of the trust I had in the industry. The thing is, though, I actually bought Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled on launch. It wasn't that I didn't play it either. Thing is, I really love Crash Team Racing, and in fact, only a couple months prior to the remake's announcement, I had replayed through all of the original PlayStation Classic, naming it my highest rated of the Crash Bandicoot game series. When Nitro Field was released, I played through the campaign and I explored all the additional features included. Crash Team Racing Nitro Field not only remastered Naughty Dog's 1999 game, but they brought over all the tracks from Vicarious Visions' Crash Nitro Kart on the PlayStation 2, and content from Radical Entertainment's Crash Tag Team Racing. The video game did reportedly well for developer Beanox and publisher Activision, garnering a strong critical reception and continuing the ongoing resurgence of the Orange Bandicoot. The reason it took me as long as it did to review Crash Team Racing is because I hadn't yet felt like I'd really ended my playthrough of it. As it stands, I still don't necessarily feel that I have either. Nitro Field embraces the original classic games and faithfully brings it forward to the next generation. The gameplay had aged well already, but Beanox's contribution helped tighten the controls and allowed the kart racer an aesthetic more attractive and aesthetically appeasing than ever prior. The inclusion of tag team racing and Nitro Kart's content contributed a lot to the experience as well. Although they weren't developed by Naughty Dog and ultimately weren't on par with the original CTR, I feel like both racers had been overlooked. Everyone had moved on from Crash, and I appreciate that the remake offered a chance to look back at a lot of fun tracks that Nitro Kart had to offer. They may not have been as iconic and nostalgic for me, but I think you could even argue a lot of them were as inspired as its predecessor. The added game modes in Crash Team Racing are appreciated and fun, with a lot of them finding their way over from the later series entries. Nitro Field allows you to play the CTR challenges and Relic challenges on command from the local race menu, and features other modes like Capture the Flag and Last Kart Standing as well. Most of them are unoffending and not really something I found myself returning to, but I still really enjoy the time trials and relic race options. The adventure mode remains straightforward and simple. I don't have a lot of complaints about it, only that it has never felt more inconsequential. The story mode was always one-dimensional, but with how robust everything else now feels, it feels especially unappetizing. It's perfectly fine, but it's no longer a main course. Personally, I think it would have been a, an enjoyable addition for them to include the story mode from Crash Nitro Kart as well. But beggars can't be choosers, that's merely something I want and not a criticism of what we received. What Crash Team Racing Nitro Field does bring is the Grand Prix mode, an original concept from Beanox that offers optional objectives and challenges for players to gain points and unlock new content. It can be as simple as racing a time trial that day, or a monthly challenge that requires a little bit more time and assertion. The Grand Prix offers a lot of new ways to approach Nitro Fueled, and is a lot of the reason I spent so much time revisiting the game even after having recently replayed the base game. Activision recently received a criticism in regards to the inclusion of optional microtransactions, allowing you to buy in-game currency to unlock items in the pit. The pit is a traditional store mode for you to buy items with Wumpa coins, and is separate from the points from the Grand Prix. I'm actually not upset about it like many are, because I don't feel like I'm being treated unfairly by its inclusion. On launch, I bought Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled at Walmart for $34, discounted from the normal retail price of $40. A lot of new releases go for $60 brand new, and while Nitro Fueled is a remake, I feel it would have been worth that amount. Since release, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled has done something really cool. When it was first released, the roster featured 26 characters. 
That number has since shot up to 47 total characters, which include characters like Spyro. That, and it has added six themed tracks to the circuit free of charge. In order to unlock each character, you must per first purchase them in the pit or through participation in the Grand Prix. This can be a grind, especially if you're like me and you burned yourself out early on. But I can't say I fault Activision. If we're honest, I think Activision could have released everything as downloadable content behind a paywall, and it would have been worth at least 20-something bucks. I wouldn't have wanted that. As a player, I like to maximize content and minimize expenditures. But I feel like I'm receiving a fair shake on this, especially with quiet additions like Ring Rally Mode or subtle changes like allowing players to choose their driving style instead of having each character tethered to certain abilities. Activision's a business, and they loaded up Nitro Fuel to the very brim with content with tons of customization and alternative character costumes to choose from. And while I would love to cry foul, I'm mostly complimentary all in all. I would even say I'm grateful given how they've stuck with updating Crash way beyond what I've expected from them. I had a lot of fun with Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, and it's only now, so much later on, that I feel like I've had my fill and I'm ready to shelf the kart racer for a rainy day. It's a blasty blast, a term I don't use lightly, I have you know, and it's without a doubt the best racing game I've ever experienced, and among the best highlights of 2019 in gaming. I can't wait to vroom 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 down the track with Crash, Cortex, Coco, and friends again soon, be it through a direct sequel or the speculated Crash Racing platforming hybrid. On the other hand, let's talk about Nickelodeon Kart Racers. Now, I don't normally review for the sake of criticism. If I think a film will be terrible, I don't usually single it out or target it. My stance is that if I think something looks horrible, then it isn't worth my time and energy, and I draw no inherent benefit. For instance, I have no doubts I'd strongly dislike Tyler Perry's Medea movie series, and therefore it's unlikely you'll ever see me review them. However, as a horror fan, even though I saw the negative response, I did watch The Curse of Lorona and decide for myself that it was bad. I had a reason to watch it, it wasn't that I was watching because I wanted to make fun of it, or harp on it. I wouldn't say I had high expectations for Nickelodeon Kart Racers, as a matter of fact I suspect many of you expect a scathing, cutthroat analysis of its many pitfalls and shortcomings. I wouldn't fault you for that, and by all means, while I do my best to be constructive with my criticisms and never bash something for the sake of it, I bought Nickelodeon Kart Racers not because I thought it'd give upper tier racers like Crash Team Racing a run for their money but because I enjoyed Nickelodeon in my youth and I wanted a chance to revisit the characters of my childhood. I wasn't expecting a contender for the Masters Club Championship, but I was hopeful for a fun racing kart video game and I figured that it was a simple, straightforward enough concept that it wouldn't be difficult to competently succeed with. Nickelodeon Kart Racers is the first Nicktoons game released in over seven years, with the last installment being Nicktoons MLB back in 2011. The video game was developed by Bamkeng Games, a developer without a Wikipedia page, whose resume includes Mighty Morphing Power Rangers Mega Battle, and arcade-style beat-em-up. Something Nickelodeon Kart Racers made me appreciate early on, I think a lot of us might take for granted, is its title screen. By that, I mean Nickelodeon Kart Racer's title screen is the worst I've ever seen for a video game released in the modern era. Offering access to single-player, multiplayer, and the in-game shop, the menu reminds me a lot of a copy of a DVD from a rental store. The ones with the still image and the selection menu tacked on at the bottom. It might not seem like a crucial detail in the grand scheme of things, but it's what you first see when you load up Kart Racers, and it sets a very lackluster, budgeted mood off the bat. The gameplay options are straightforward and about what you'd expect. You can choose a single track or a free race, as it's called, or you could go for the Grand Prix. You're allowed to choose from six different Grand Prix options, each comprised of four tracks apiece. If you win all of the cups, however, you'll unlock the Orange, Remix, and Slime Cup, 
which don't offer you any new tracks, but are comprised of eight tracks apiece instead. Personally, I like the idea of having Grand Prix with more races attached to them, and it, or actual customization, is something I'd like to see become a standard in kart racers. Once you decide on a cup, you'll now be tasked with choosing your driver. Saying the cast of characters leave a lot to be desired is an understatement. Again, I'll mention that I never expected a lot out of kart racers, and I'd be remiss if I didn't throw in that I bought Nickelodeon kart racers on sale for less than $4. But the original retail price was 30 bucks. The roster is comprised of only 12 different racers, and features characters from Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Spongebob, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There are no unlockables, either. This is all you have to choose from. This is nerve-wracking when you consider the crazy roster of characters Nickelodeon has to choose from. What about characters from shows like Jimmy Neutron, Danny Phantom, Fairly Parents, Avatar The Last Airbender, My Life as a Teenage Robot, or even Dora the Explorer if you wanted? That's the era of Nickelodeon I was brought up on, but if you wanted, you could even look to the past a little bit more. Go for The Angry Beavers, Rocco's Modern Life, or Ren and Stimpy, or even look forward! As a 23-year-old man, you'll be surprised to learn I haven't watched Nickelodeon in nearly a decade. But I know series like The Loud House, Henry Danger, or The Legend of Korra could offer more than a few racers to choose from. As you start your engines and begin your race, you'll soon discover something else as well. There is no dialogue in Nickelodeon Kart Racers. Part of me didn't mind this. I, I didn't mind it because I know if Kart Racers did have voice actors, I'd be spammed to death with nonsensical sound bites from each character. Instead of verbal dialogue, Kart Racers opts to feature word bubbles on the bottom corner of the screen, featuring the characters spouting lines, vaguely commentating on what's happening during the race. The music is bland and does very little to liven up the dull audio, but is otherwise unoffensive. The gameplay is a mixed bag of emotions. Like I prefaced earlier, Kart Racers are straightforward and simple at their foundation. A lot of the time it feels like Mario Kart did the heavy lifting, and a lot of racers merely tweak that formula to their heart's content. The animations of each character are lifeless and lack personality, feeling like mascots or stand-ins for their cartoon counterparts, but there is some faithfulness in the tracks and abilities. Each character has a special ability that fits their character, like Spongebob's ability to cover his opponent's screen with jellyfish, or how the Ninja Turtles can collect their weapon of choice and tank through enemies for a short period. The levels can feel a little repetitive as far as the color scheme is concerned, and slime featured during tracks can burn your eyes with how bright it is on some levels. I appreciated how they depicted areas from their respective cartoons, whether it's driving through Bikini Bottom or a high school for Hey Arnold. It at least shows glimpses of how much better this could have been if it were more expansive. I liked other features as well. Every now and again during a cup race, they'll add stipulations to a race to bring a little variation. This can include having to follow arrows in a path or face elimination after you failed too many times, or the last player in a race being eliminated every 15 seconds. There are additions that add layers to the tried-and-true racing formula, and for kart racers and its few tracks and few racers, it's a welcome addition. The racing itself, at its best, is competent and enjoyable, a standard kart racer without a lot else to say about it. I'd be lying if I didn't say there was enjoyment to be had on occasion. At worst, it can be a mess, with characters spamming the same attacks over and over again in a short time frame, and decisions that boggle the mind. For example, kart racers features intervals where you can go off-track and must glide, kind of on the order of Mario Kart, however, what I've found is it's faster to wreck and respawn than glide back to the track. Nickelodeon Kart Racers has no storyline and no online play, and the additions its store offers are merely modifications for your kart, no real major additions. 
There isn't a lot to say about Nickelodeon Kart Racers on the surface. I was able to keep my expectations in check because my investment was limited to spare pocket change, but anyone who purchased it at the retail price would certainly be disappointed. It features a severe lack of polish and cuts a lot of corners, a fact that can be seen straight away from the main menus and is only emphasized through the gameplay itself. Imagine a Kart Racers comprised of Nickelodeon's most famous cartoons from over the decades featuring thoughtful tracks and voice acting, a decent budget, and more time spent under the hood, and you have reason to be excited. Unfortunately, that's not what this is, and it's not even close. If nothing else, Nickelodeon Kart Racers procured a new perspective for me and my appreciation to Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled, and the amount of effort that goes into developing a truly great video game. From the small changes made every Grand Prix to the main menu, and the robust roster of characters and racetracks to choose from. Nitro Fuel demolishes Nickelodeon kart racers in dominating fashion, but how will the Aviator do against the Wolf of Wall Street or The Departed? Will Martin Scorsese's latest film The Irishman reign supreme? On the next edition of Masters Club Podcast, Martin Scorsese challenges for the Masters Club Championship. Thanks for joining me on this edition, and remember, the battle does not end in the audio. The Masters Club website is updated weekly with reviews on movies, video games, and more as we enter the new year.